Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ. That's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own rookie rundown. And it's not just the rookie rundown, we're doing a little bit of a crossover here on my return to the rookie rundown going into the 2023-2024 offseason of the NFL here. Uh, not really offseason of the NFL, but offseason of the NCAA football season. And I'm going to be doing a end-of-year recap here on this episode. I'm going to be going over all the prospects that I brought up throughout this year in my prospect premonition portfolio that I've been doing for the DWZ main show. I'm going to be covering all 10 names that I did during the 10 regular weeks of the NCAA season. I'm going to go over their end of year totals, their stats, their outlooks, any injury concerns they may have picked up towards the tail end of the season, um, the ones that have declared, the ones that we're not sure about, and the ones that are going either back or transferring. As of right now, at the time of recording, looking pretty solid. Um, it looks like all but three of the 10 will be declaring for this year's NFL draft. One was a surprise return to college. One was kind of justified and makes sense. And the other one was actually a transfer. Um, Some exciting news to go all around on these prospects. But as always, I'm your host, Dallas, here. You can find me on all the socials at Salad Galore. Dallas with a double spelled, double L spelled backwards, Galore. And uh, let's just dive on in, folks. So the first one I want to address is the one quarterback that I had on my actual talking point during this season. Um, As you know, for the prospect premonition, if you were not following along and you're just paying attention because it's a, oh, it's a Dallas rookie rundown show. I have been doing a segment on the weekly episodes of the DWZ main show where I've been doing basically projections on under the radar players that I thought were going to be stars going into the NFL, going at the next level of their careers and realistically would be drafted in this year's draft class. Um, they're not the mainstays. They're not the massive names, albeit some of them are some pretty big names because I hit on quite a few of these boys earlier on in the season and boy, oh boy, have they been rocking it up draft boards as of late, but KJ Jefferson was the only quarterback that I had on there. Cause I didn't want to talk about Caleb Williams. I didn't want to talk about Drake may. I could have talked probably more about the likes of Michael Penix or the likes of Jaden Daniels, but I feel like those are players that I should be paying more attention to closer to draft time during this offseason coverage. KJ Jefferson was an under the radar, big bodied, big armed quarterback in the sec that was not being talked about a lot. Unfortunately, 
he is not coming out. And with him not coming out, his prospect likelihood of hitting at the next level or even remotely getting a shout out at the next level are slim to none. He will now be going into his last year of eligibility, his sixth total year in college going into 2024 with a transfer most likely to UCF, the University of Central Florida, the Golden Knights. Um, it's a good fit for him. They are a little bit schemey, more of a run-focused um, play-action type of scheme down there. But this year was not really the final stepping stone that we were anticipating from KJ Jefferson. He had a lot of accuracy issues this year. He only ended up putting up about 2,100 yards passing. Arkansas was abysmal in the SEC. His turnover-to-touchdown ratio was actually pretty solid at a 2-to-1 clip actually a little bit over a two to one clip. And he did classically put up about 500 yards on the ground, rushing with another couple of scores. Um, but overall, the season was kind of a letdown. If he had had a solid three flirting with 3000 yards passing another 600 to 700 yard rushing season, I think he definitely would have came out. Um, but alas, he has transferred his prospect ship at the next level is probably not going to be a thing unless it's a camp body as a undrafted free agent, most likely next year. Um, so I won't spend a ton more time, but I didn't hit on the one quarterback really that I did bring up a guy that absolutely smashed this year. And I was floored that he decided to go back for his senior year at the university of Kansas was running back Devin Neal on just 200 carries. He put up 1,280 yards on the ground with 16 rushing touchdowns. He was an animal, a two-way player that really ate in the Big 12 this year on a, you know, middling KU team. He also added another 217 yards receiving, another touchdown through the air on 25 receptions. Um, again, just continuing as a trend, basically, to increase both his carry totals from his freshman year all the way into his receiving totals going from seven to 21 to 25 and 150, 180 and 203 respectively. He's still sitting at just 540 career rushing touches and just under 600 career touches in general in college. So this final year won't put too much tread on the tire, hoping he stays healthy because he is a prospect. I was really excited to be picking up in those middle rounds of drafts this year. He's going to be a good player next year. The draft class, Again, kind of surprising with there not being a true stud at the top end of the draft class for running backs that he didn't want to come out this year. Um, but albeit, he probably would have been buried by a couple of the other guys that are higher on a lot of the draft. Nick's list. So it kind of was a little though that it was happening in general. Um, next up on the board and the third and final player that I want to discuss that uh, ultimately just decided that he wanted to go back for another year, but also in the transfer portal is big bodied wide receiver Will Shepard out of Vanderbilt. Um, if you watched Vanderbilt this year, you can probably assume what that offense looked like for the entirety of it. Even if he caught just one game, it was pretty abysmal. Will Shepard was the only offensive piece on that team that worked. They constantly got the crap kicked out of them week in, week out. And then what was an extremely promising season through the first six weeks of the season, putting up just over 600 yards in those six weeks on 47 receptions, he ended up ending the season with a shoulder injury, uh, middled his way through one final game against Auburn in the season. And then he actually announced in the transfer portal, he will be joining Deion Sanders with his son, Shadon Sanders, down at the University of Colorado. So he's an exciting piece for that offense. It's a big bodied guy that could compliment Will Hunter quite a, quite a lot if Hunter decides to actually stay there. Um, 
still kind of undetermined, but it's an offensive piece that that offense definitely needed. They didn't really have a big body guy on the outside that they consistently could go to. And Will Shepard going for a senior and fourth year there with them, super promising. Again, he was looking like he was going to blow up. The injury just derailed his season. And I think if he doesn't get injured, he probably does end up going to the NFL. But alas, once one more shot at glory, probably a little bit more success, hopefully, with the Colorado program next year than what they tallied at the end of this year. And Will Shepard with a better quarterback at the very least in that Colorado offense compared to the Vanderbilt offense. Now that we got the three transfers, i.e. stays away, we're going to go into the guys that have seen success this season that I talked about on the prospect premonition from all the different positions. And I actually am going to have them split up by position. So I'm going to knock out the tight ends here first. All three tight ends that I talked about this year will all be or have already declared for the NFL draft and all saw a very successful season for the respective teams. The first one I want to touch base on is Jatavian Sanders. It's going to be fresh in people's heads what he was able to do in that loss to Washington in the uh, Sugar Bowl in the CFP semifinal game this last week. Ended up reeling in six receptions for 75 yards, was a large portion of that passing game for Texas, who unfortunately was not able to squeak out a win against Washington, who looks absolutely unstoppable right now. But on the season, not including those six receptions, he was able to tally up 45 receptions for just under 700 yards and two touchdowns. He wasn't a touchdown monster, but between the ton, uh, 20s, he was the chain mover on third down every single time for this Texas offense. Um, quarterback play was a little bit suspect for the Longhorns this season. A lot of injuries played into that, and then a lot of inconsistent play, actually, from Quinn Ewers, who also will be going back to school for his true senior year here. Um, so it it's just a lot of question marks in that Texas offense. I think he's rightfully so getting out while he can. I don't love the long-term prospects of that Texas team right now. It's looking a little bit sketchy with how they're handling some of these big-name players. And there's obviously going to be a lot of talent that's coming in pass catcher-wise, but they will be losing three starters in the NFL, likely in the top three rounds of the NFL draft in Saunders, Worthy, and Wilson. Um, Saunders... He's got, he's a little bit bigger than the kind of speedy guys that we talk about with like a Chickaquanquo or a Jonu Smith. He's a little bit thicker, a little bit taller, but that's the type of play style that he has. He's extremely athletic, extremely good at moving those chains and separating on third down, like I said, and he's a pretty consistent blocker. So I'm excited to see where he ends up. He'll be a solid tight end two most likely on a team with a chance to eventually turn into a tight end one. Um, it's just the same type of situation you have. He's probably going to end up on a team with a solid vet that uh, is not really going to give him the reins right in the get-go. It's kind of what we saw with a John o. Smith, kind of what we saw with a Chikaquanquo. That's the mold that I see with a Jatavian Sanders and a tight end, like I said, number zero from the Longhorns that I'm excited to see at the next level. Successful season, 700 yards at the tight end position at any point in your career in college is nice, but especially back-to-back -back years with Bushing basically those stat lines, very nice to see from the big guy. Another dude that fits that same type of mold, but more of the H-back, I guess people was what they would typically say just due to the fact that he's white, is Ben Sinnett from Kansas State University. Wildcat put up very similar stat lines when it comes to receptions and yardage as Jatavian Sanders, 49 receptions, so four more than Sanders with another 40 yards, so 676 receiving yards. He also put up four more touchdowns. He had six uh, six passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown on the season. He 
was a matchup nightmare. And like I was explaining to everyone on his episode, if you didn't listen to it, Sanat is a guy that reminds me a lot of a do-it-all guy. He reminds me a lot of Hunter Henry coming out of the same conference in the Big 12. And he's a guy that if you need something on third down, he's probably got the most sure hands you could possibly have on your team. The Kansas State quarterback situation is finally going to write itself. Um, unfortunate that it's happening when Senate is leaving, but he's a guy that is going to immediately come in and be a difference maker at the tight end position for a team. Does that translate into tight end one numbers versus tight end two that I'm not positive on yet. We're gonna have to see where he goes in the draft, but I was very happy to see him again, pushing for those 700 receiving yard totals. That's pretty much the threshold for tight ends that I typically have that 600 to 650 range. And then six receiving touchdowns is great, especially with the inconsistencies at quarterback that they were dealing with in Manhattan, Kansas. The other tight end and the final one on the list had the most middling stats, I would say from a receiving yard standpoint, and that is Bryson Nesbitt, a true junior, but this is the physical specimen. He's the guy that doesn't really fit the mold of tight end. He's probably going to be more of the Chase Claypool, the Doriel Beckham Juniors, that type of mold. He's coming in truthfully over six foot five at under 240 pounds. So they could ask him to put on some more weight or could ask him to slim down a little bit, but he has an ability to get in and out of breaks that is not matched pretty much by anyone in this class at the tight end position. Even Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers is a true do-it-all tight end. Bryson Nesbitt is much more of a gadget guy, don't get me wrong, but he has such a matchup nightmare ability given his size, speed, weight metrics that it'll be very exciting to see where he ends up this season. Um, Same kind of offense, same kind of issues that K-State has is exactly what we were seeing and exactly what we got from Bryson Nesbitt as compared to Ben Sinnott, that Tar Heels only basically brought in eight wins on the season. Um, They went eight and five, did not look great down the stretch, a little bit of inconsistent play from Drake May, but that offense also doesn't run through the tight end. Um, Drake May just has a tendency to look for him on third down, which is a common theme with the guys that I brought up earlier this year is that they were the chain movers on third down. They are who the quarterbacks trusted because of the sure handedness, which is the biggest thing for me. If you want tight end upside (laughs) from a reception standpoint in fantasy football, you got to have sure hands. The droppers never last. Let's, if you have questions about that, just ask Jacob Harris from the Rams how well that worked for him, even though he had the size, speed, weight combos. Um, But that is the tight end position. I will then jump into the running back position. Um, These are two guys. Both of them have declared. Both of them had gangbuster seasons. And the overarching metrics on these guys are what's really exciting. When you're looking at the Tennessee volunteer, Mr. Jalen Wright, that was one of the first episodes I did last season. It was a running back that had consistently shown flashes of insane efficiency last year put up over six yards a carry this year put up over eight yards a carry the touchdown totals weren't there because Tennessee again could not move the ball really late down the season but as a guy who on 150 touches gives you right around 1300 all-purpose yards that's something that's very exciting and I said this earlier on on his episode I'm going to repeat it again if you want a back that absolutely flies down the field with a straight line speed his big hit, big play ability, you're looking at number zero number zero from the Volunteers, Jalen Wright. That's the biggest thing and the biggest marquee aspect of his game. He can hit those big holes. A guy that he reminds me a lot of, ironically, because he came from Tennessee after the transfer to Alabama, Jerome Ford, a lot of the same aspects in his game. Um, for those of you that didn't listen to the episode, the thing I told you all about this is this is the type of back I typically fall for because in the NFL, you want big 
play chain moving players. And that's what Jalen Wright is. Uh, I have been wrong sometimes and right other times, but he fits that mold of the Pierre Strong, the Jerome Fords, that type of back. So it's very exciting. Uh, the high end ceiling of that is Tony Pollard. The low end ceiling of that is, you know, uh, Pierre Strong, who's on a second team <laughs> in uh, two years. So it, it's just one of those things where, uh, it could work out very well for him. I'm excited to see where he goes, but he's got the most bottled up speed out of this running back class that no one is really talking about. The second running back is a much more prevalent guy in the eyes of a lot of uh, teams, and that is Mr. Audric Esteem. Uh, 210 carries, 1,341 yards on the ground with 18 touchdowns for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. He was a workhorse back for that team, and boy, oh boy, did he not disappoint. He also reeled in another 150 yards receiving on just under 20 receptions sitting at 17. Um, but you're looking at a guy that's going to give you basically double digit touchdowns every year at the next level. Um, really consistent running back, really solid grinded out back, but also has surprising speed at 227 pounds. He's probably the thickest back with a good speed complement that is going to come out in this draft. Um, most of the big boys are concerning with their speed so as long as he tests uh you know tests average um and what you would expect from a back that's 511 230 pounds uh people should really be paying attention to where he lands he's got a very physical play style he tries to run through people a lot but he's got the speed to work the angles on the outside if you ask him to very exciting back um, I'm glad he did not go back. It wouldn't have made sense because, again, that Notre Dame program not having the best outlook long term, especially with the offensive line. But boy, oh boy, am I excited to see where Mr. Audric Esteem goes out. Another success on the season. Another one of the early guys I talked about and a guy that really fulfilled his role as a grinded out, grinded in every down player. Last two guys on the list rounding out the top 10 for players on the prospect premonition list are the two wide receivers left. The first one I want to talk about is Malik Washington, Virginia Cavalier. He is definitely going to be going to the NFL, puts up 110 receptions on an abysmal offense where he was the only option on the offense for a whopping 1,426 receiving yards, nine touchdowns through the air, big play waiting to happen in a not really a tight package, but like I said on his episode, he's got the most unique build probably at the wide receiver position because he's built like a running back. He's 5'8", 200 pounds, extremely thick lower body, extremely quick explosion in and out of routes. And his yards after the catchability are what really set him apart. He's a guy that ended the year just as strong as he began the year. He ended up just eviscerating the ACC basically this year. Um, and again, these are in big loss games, a 55 to 17 loss versus Virginia Tech at the end of the season to cap out, still put up 14 receptions for 115 yards. Like I said, if you take away one performance against Boston College on September 30th, he would have gone 13 straight games with over 100 receiving yards. And that game against Boston College, that was including a 97-yard receiving performance. He still went 9 for 97. If you were playing Debbie and you had Malik Washington, he was the second most consistent wide receiver in the entire NCAA at getting you a floor performance week in and week out. The only person that eclipsed to that is my pride and joy, the man that I have been talking about since the beginning of the 2022 season. Don't believe me. 
ask people around, check out the Patreon. They know I'm in love with this guy. He's a guy that I'm very confident in his ability. And there's nothing in my head that is stopping me from saying there's a potential where he could do exactly what Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to do in this class. It's the same type of aspect where we're dealing with with CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson. Um, He's a guy that, just like Justin Jefferson in that class for me, I felt stuck out. He really didn't have any huge faults in his game, and that's exactly what we're dealing with with Marvin Harrison Jr. People just don't want to give Adunze, for some reason, that type of hype. He is a big play freaking monster, guys. Averaged 18 yards per reception knowingly on that Washington team that for stretches of this season, he was the only receiving option. Jalen Polk classically was playing his disappearing act for the third straight year in a row outside of his rookie season for a four-week stretch. The dude has not shown an ability to be a consistent hands catcher. Odunze fixed all of his holes from last season. 87 receptions, 1,553 yards, 13 receiving touchdowns, and sneakily used quite a bit on the ground this year. 37 yards, another carry, touchdown, as well there um he's just he can do everything and he is the biggest out of the first top you know guaranteed three wide receivers in this class in uh, malik neighbors marvin harrison jr and roman dunze he's going to come in at 6'3 just under 220 pounds rocked up physical specimen he can absolutely fly down the field the only questions you had were his ability to catch in traffic which he really shirred up this season guys but He's my darling. He's the boy that I'm going to walk away with in every draft, even if it kills me, because I'm very excited for him at the next level. But that has been kind of the recap of where we're at on the season. There are tons more prospects that I will be diving to in a more deep down nitty gritty facet as we proceed into this, you know, offseason. Now, as we set the clocks for the NFL draft in April, I will be touching on, I guarantee every single one of these players again, both in my rankings episodes, as well as in my comparison, Oklahoma drill episodes, where I compare the similar, both play styles, body types, and expectations of players that fit the molds at their respective positions. So look forward to future content on all of these guys, as well as the bevy of other names. If you don't know anything about this class, you're coming in blind after the NCAA season. And as the NFL season is wrapping up, this is the year of the wide receiver. And I do not kid you with saying that realistically, we could see almost 15 wide receivers, the potential for 15 wide receivers drafted in the first three rounds of the NFL draft this year. Very exciting. A lot of X's, which is very good for the NFL because I feel like the X position has been slowly dying over the last couple of years outside of the top end huge guys, the top, you know, five or so wide receivers. So it is a position that needed a refresh. It's definitely going to happen this year. And there is a lot of potential to completely reshape your dynasty teams with this wide receiver class running backs a little bit, underwhelming tight ends very promising quarterback very promising overall as always as you're getting into this rookie season there's always those diamonds in the rough there's always the prospects that stick out and these prospects that i saw throughout the season are a lot of those players that i'm excited for for the next level again i'm here to fill those middle rounds of the nfl draft i'm always going to leave it 
up to you guys to decide the nitty gritty between the first, second, third overall picks. I don't really care. It's not something I like wasting my time on. So if that interests you, that piques your interest, you know, for your dynasty teams going forward, make sure to follow all the dynasty Warzone content as we shift into the rookie, you know, the rookie end of the season and specifically the rookie rundown weekly coming back to you here now in 2024, as opposed to 2023 until next time, guys have a good time. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.